Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 30. I'm joined by Horacio, our editor-in-chief and uh, owner of BMW Blog. So and we're going to be talking about um, the 5 Series facelift, the M5 facelift, the BMW M5 CS, which is very exciting. And then we want to touch a little bit on some uh, some new BMW tech towards the end. So uh, hi, Horacio. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Nico. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no problem. It's always good to have you on. You, uh, you've always got the good BMW scoops. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. Sometimes we do. I guess there have been a lot of news lately. So, um, yeah, for sure. The biggest is probably the M5 CS, but maybe, um, maybe we go back in time, maybe a couple of weeks, and we start with the uh, 5 Series facelift. Yeah, that uh, that I think is a good one. I think it's good to start there. What did you think about the the design? Uh, honestly, I like it a lot. I mean, I liked the the pre facelift car too, and um, I, I think the the facelift really does a great job of keeping what was so good about the regular G thirty, and then mm-hmm. just improving it um, in like subtle but impactful ways. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think they've done a done a really good job, especially at the front. They have uh, enhanced the car. No premium look a little bit more. Um, I did see um, some people, you know, uh, pointing out that maybe the headlights look like a Skoda or like a, <laughs> a VW, and you know, they. Um, I've I've also read comments saying that you know BMW took inspiration from those, but basically, uh, knowing you know how design works and how far back it goes, uh, it's unlikely that anyone has gone to the market and. And took a look at the competitors and decided to just copy them. I think even with a facelift, the uh, probably goes back, you know, three, four years, uh, the design process. So um, I don't even know if the Skoda or the VW with the new head- headlights were even out at that time. Um, yeah, um, I, I think there's some, definitely some Audi style design. I don't, I don't know about Skoda, but like definitely like if you look at modern Audis, how they have like the um, like very rectangular, sharp yeah. Uh, headlight designs, but I, I don't know if it's. I would go so far as to say that they they look that similar. I, I think that's. Yeah. I, I think people, at least a lot of BMW fans, are very um, very like anti VW group. So I think they're just really really picky with that sort of thing. But like you said, the, the designs go back. Like they've been designing this facelift for years. Yeah, so I, I also had a conversation with a designer uh, from BMW off the record, and basically I learned that. Uh, when the new when the G35 series came out uh, a few years ago, the lights technology was not that advanced. So even though they wanted to make them slimmer and slicker and all of that, it was just not available. So that tech became you know widely available by the time the facelift came around. So that's why they kind of decided to go with a slimmer headlights, a little bit you know less tall, and. That's why you might see similarities. It's it's likely that all these companies, you know, are using similar light technology, right. uh, and that's why you you're gonna see some uh, maybe similarities there. But I highly doubt that any of those premium automakers, uh, you know, look at each other and try to you know copy an exact design item. Right, um, right. I mean, brand so, distinction is important. You don't want to look yeah, like exactly. the rest of the brand. So, and, 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 I think the car looks good. Yeah. I think it looks great, actually. I think it's, and honestly, I, I mean, maybe it's just um, seeing newer designs, but I think the 5 Series is aging so well, and it might actually even be one of BMW's best-looking cars right now. It's yeah, just it's such a good yeah. design. 
Yeah, I mean they've also not gone crazy with the kidney grill, so they um they enlarged right. just a little bit. I think enough to fit the car's front fascia. Um, they've also made the slats a little bit thicker, so that looks kind of cool. So it just looks a little bit bolder, a little bit sportier. Uh, they've also done some work on the M Sport package, so it's a little bit more aggressive. So that's kind of that's that's kind of neat. And if you go to the back, I do like the taillights. Um, they're also a little bit more elongated, a little bit more uh, slimmer. But I think the idea with that was to really make the rear end even look a little bit wider and and sportier. So I think they've they've done a good job with that as well. So. Overall, I mean, they've they've touched on all the right things for the facelift. I think once we see the car on the road, especially in different colors, I mean, I think we're gonna love it. I saw the uh, BMW individual. I think it's called Verde uh, Hermes. Yeah, and uh, it's such a beautiful color, especially on the five series. It looks really, yeah. really good. So, uh, kind of excited to see more green colors on uh, on BMW cars. For sure, yeah, for sure. But green is a very uh, underused color in bmw's palette I, and i really uh i really like exactly. when bmw goes green actually like when any car company goes green this just different interesting yeah. kind of bold so it's pretty cool so i think they they um they really nailed it i i, I mean most I agree, of the yeah. like most like most of the comments were positive i don't think they were they were negative uh, no, maybe I, I inside so. people expect a little bit more like inside but knowing how they operate they're not going to go and refresh you know the cabin fully you know, mid, right. like mid cycle. So I was kind of expecting not to do that. I'm just happy that they incorporate all the latest tech they have available. So they're, they're offering that and um, some new trims and leather and all the other things. Um, yeah. I mean, tech so, is the um, most important yeah. part. So they, they brought the new tech over the new iDrive, the, the new mm -hmm. digital uh, dials, what's that called? The um, live cockpit professional. Live copy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They brought that over and, you know, so as long as the tech moves over, like you know, it gets the newest tech. That's that's the important part. But for I, yeah. I don't maybe you can answer this because I don't I honestly can't figure it out. Um, with like when BMW refreshes some of its models, like the five series and the seven series, um, mm -hmm. it, they don't get the new shift levers. Like why? <laughs> like every other new BMW model has that new square one, but the seven series and the five series, I... even after the refreshes, get the little weird tall one. I don't have a an official answer on that, but I can speculate a little bit. I think one of the reasons is that um, if you're a five series customer and you're getting a really major design refresh inside, then you will feel a bit of a bit of a letdown because you know now you have the significantly older design inside your car and the new one it's premium, so then it just creates this uh, idea that, you know, I'm better off waiting for the facelift because it's always going to be better. So they're never going to go that extreme. I think that's, that's okay. one of the reasons. And then second of all, it also, you can't really just probably update just one design element inside a car. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to to make it all, uh, you know, kind of fit. So you're, okay. not, you're not just going to take one shift lever from a newer car and just drop it in there and call it a day I'm, I'm sure they have, have a design philosophy when it comes to the interior i mean they definitely have not and um they try to follow that as well so um okay that makes probably, sense yeah you'll probably throw the balance off inside if you just take one item from one car and just put it into another so yeah i'm sure just... there will be exceptions so maybe there were exceptions before but those are really just 
exceptions. I mean, the M cars seem to be the exception. Like the M5 yeah, is a yeah. different shift lever. You know, it's kind of more square. Yeah. Uh, more like yeah, the other sure. newer ones. And then even the M5 um, yeah. facelift well, yeah, got the new, question. the new one. I'm going to ask them next time, honestly. I'm going to try to remember this one. I'm going to ask them what's the reason for that. Um, I think I'm going to be driving anyway, and it probably in, in the near future, the 545E. Ah. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that question. But um, yeah, that's kind of an exciting model, actually. I was going to talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, definitely. That's, I'm not that's really sure if it's coming to the US. I think we. Is it I, coming to the US? Probably I, not. I think only the 530 is it's coming here. Right. I think the only the X5 is getting the 45E and the 7 yeah. Series, but I'd already have. I, I'm not sure what's the reason for that. I thought i asked him but i don't remember yeah it was it's kind of peculiar that. because if two cars already have the exact same powertrain in the u.s it obviously meets every you know emissions standard you know it obviously works here um it's odd that you wouldn't get it in the five series it's kind of peculiar yeah, i mean i'm kind of excited to see how that car drives i mean the the tech is pretty fantastic in the 545v so um that would have been a really great choice for the U.S. Yeah. market, especially since we have no no diesel engines here, right? So, and it's like the best of both worlds because you're getting hybrid tech, but you also get BMW's best engine. You know, you're getting the B58 yep. straight six, which is you know exactly it's the best six cylinder engine on the market. It's incredible. Exactly. So, so the power in that car, uh, it's probably uh, way better than you would get in the 530. So, um, oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. But I think it's a little bit slower than the 540i just because it's heavier, but the, you're yeah. getting that same, like, perfectly smooth, creamy straight six. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the 5 Series. I mean, it was a, it was big news. I think even BMW did not expect to get that much coverage out of that. I think it was a, it was a big deal for a facelift. And yeah, it was. It, it did you know. gain a lot of traction, surprisingly, for just like a, you know, mid-cycle facelift. Yeah, and especially after coming after the four series, yeah, before the four series or after the four, I think it was, it was after. The it was it after, yeah, yeah. So I mean, even coming after the four series, yeah, it was a, it was really good press for them. Uh, you know, people uh, didn't have much to complain about compared to the four right. series. So. Well, that's kind of the thing, that's and that goes back to what uh, I was saying earlier when we first started talking about it. it was like mm -hmm. the the four series was such a drastic change in design language for bmw that when people saw the five series facelift it almost seemed refreshing at least for me it seemed yeah. like all right this is this is a really handsome looking bmw it looks mm -hmm. really clean it looks really good it's subtle it's sophisticated um whereas the four series kind of punches you in the face with its you know it's really bold loud styling so I think that's what I think that might have been why it gained so much traction is you know it, it was sort of refreshing to see from BMW after all the coverage of the four series. Yep, yep, exactly. And I think that kind of was a nice lead into the uh, M5. Face oh yeah, for sure. We can we can talk about it as well. Um, I I mean, if the five series was a really well executed facelift, I feel like the M5 it's even better. Um, yeah. For, I, I, I don't. That, yeah. I mean, I don't think I've seen an M5 being refreshed that much. I mean, not that I remember. Um, I mean, they kind of changed yeah, the entire front end. I mean, it's it's so much more aggressive. The they changed the air curtains. They also changed the the lower lip, so it looks a little bit different. Uh, definitely the headlights, of course, and then the kidney grill a little bit. So, okay. to me, it looks like it was a little bit more. Um, uh, 
even more of a facelift than the five series. And I, I definitely like the M5, and I, I absolutely love it right now, especially the competition package and the shadow line, you know, all blacked out. And they've also used this uh, Imola red, you know, BMW yeah. color. I've also seen it yesterday on the uh, Adventure Rim red. So um, it just looks really good. And I think, you know, the M5 was a fantastic product already. I drove the car a couple of years ago in Spain on the Ascari racetrack, and it was such a powerful car. I don't even think that I managed to use, you know, half of its power on that track. It's a very technical track, and uh, it was just amazing to drive. That X-Drive, you know, was perfect. Even, you know, switching over to the rear was was really good. And um, I'm kind of excited to drive the new one. I think there was an event last weekend and they drove the M5 and the M2CS and unfortunately due to COVID and we couldn't really go. But um, yeah, from what I heard, it's uh, it's just a more composed car. They've changed some of the suspension settings. I think some of the settings come from the uh, M8 um, and apparently makes makes a difference. So um, they also have the new uh, track mode, which I think comes from the M8. Um, so I think that car will definitely sell well. I think the U.S. only gets the M5 competition. Don't remember if they get the regular M5. But I think in Europe you can order the M5 competition and the regular M5 as well. You can't get the regular M5 here, or is that just I, with the I, I I don't recall. I mean, I honestly haven't looked on their website lately. I th- I thought um, you could. I maybe with the facelift. Yeah. With the facelift, they might have taken it away. But uh, I the I M5 I tested was a regular, wasn't a competition. It was like a regular a, one? Yeah, because it was before but the competition got into the press fleet. It was the only one I actually have never driven a competition. I see. So maybe, oh, actually, they do offer it. I'm just looking at on the website, yeah. So the regular one, it's uh, is 102 in the U.S., and then the other one, it's uh, 110. So they do offer it. So I take that back. Right. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, why why would you not buy the M5 competition over the regular <laughs> one for another, you know, about $7,000 more? Yeah, I mean, at that so, point, what's the what's seven thousand dollars out of after a hundred thousand? What's seven thousand dollars? You know, exactly. I mean, I feel like the M five competition is just like the ultimate M five. Yeah, and it's it's going to be sharper and stuff. It's going to you know feel that little bit better, and it's probably worth you know the extra few thousand dollars for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely more tuned up. The you know, engine ECU, it's it's different. Uh, it's geared more towards you know sportiness, uh, more towards the track, even though it's not a track car. But um, I was able to feel that when I drove the car on on the track. You know the uh, the suspension settings, the uh, uh, limited slip. Also, it's it's a little bit different. So uh, that's why I kind of loved immediately the M5 competition. But I'm sure you can't really go wrong with any of the uh, with any of those two options. I mean, yeah, I, I even I loved the the regular M5. I had that I tested for a week, like two years ago, and I loved it. You know, it was a great car. It's it's hard not to love. Um, you know, yes. sure, it's not as like clinical as or as um sorry as, as precise or as you know it's a little more clinical than than previous M5s. But you know, it's just so good at everything it does that it's hard to not just absolutely love driving it because it's crazy fast it's super comfortable it's you know it's fun to drive has incredible tech it's just there's nothing it does poorly it's just such mm-hmm. a good car it's always a tough choice right now especially 
I wouldn't know which one to pick, the M5 or the M8 Grand Coupe. <laughs> I feel like that will be you know, a really tough choice. I just got out of, you know, as as you know, I just test drove mm-hmm. the M8 Grand Coupe. Yeah. And uh, afterwards, I can honestly say I think I'd go with the M5 because they don't feel much different. And the M8 Grand Coupe is like $50,000 more. So Is it really 50K more? Well, as tested, my my test car oh, was yeah. $167,000. Gotcha, yeah. Wow. So it was by far the most expensive car I borrowed from BMW. And it was like, was... to be honest, yeah. I don't think it was worth that extra premium over the M5. It, it doesn't yeah, feel that much different. It starts at 130 the M8 Grand Coupe. So the base price is $30,000 more. I mean, honestly, I love the looks of the M8 Grand Coupe. I mean, the oh, looks are just fantastic. I mean, it's such a beautiful car. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you have to see if it's really worth 30% more than the M5. Right. Because I think the M5 is a great looking car too. You know, I think they're both really good looking. Um, exactly. Did you feel like the space in the M8 was, you had, you know, a larger space inside? Um, you know what? From what I remember, because it, it's been a while since I've been in an M5, but from what I remember... The front did feel a little bit bigger, honestly. Like from the, the driver's seat, it did feel like I was in, in, in a bigger car. But like the back length seat, and length and width or um both, yeah. Like it felt yeah. like I was in a longer car, felt like I had a little more shoulder room. Mm-hmm. Um maybe that's just, you know, I don't know the actual interior dimensions, so maybe that's just playing tricks on me, but mm-hmm. it did feel a little bit like wider in, in my shoulders, like I felt like I had better elbow room. But the yeah. back seat is obviously just because due to the lower roof line and stuff, it does feel a little more cramped than an M5, just it, just by nature of the design. Um, but sure. I thought legroom was really good in the back seat, and like you know, I'm little though; I'm only like five foot nine, so I can fit in the back seat of most yeah. cars. But I'm pretty sure the legroom uh, is definitely bigger in the M8 Grand Coupe. It has to be. Yeah, I think the wheelbase is longer, so yeah. yeah it, so yeah, tough but, choice between those two. I mean. I'm, yeah, I mean, in the M5, though, you do get a third, you can fit a third person in the back. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, I think pick, the, pick your poison, really. They, I mean, they offer the uh, the option of two plus one, I think, for the um, for the M8 Grand Coupe. Also. Oh, do so, they, actually? Yeah, so you are getting those kind of like individual seats separated by the, mm-hmm. by the console. But it also has a seat belt for a third person. So it's someone like, like, like a child that's a little bit smaller can actually uh, fit in the center right on top of the console, basically. Gotcha. So, uh, okay. yeah, it's more of a two plus one, but it's not a, you know, a three bench seating like the M5. Yeah. But yeah, they do have that. I do remember seeing that in the A-Series Grand Coupe also. Yeah, so that was yeah. the M5. So another exciting model. I mean, there's so many new cars this year. Hopefully we'll get to test all of them very soon. So that's, I mean, the M5... I would love to drive it on on the track. They've they always try to set up some track time with the M5, so hopefully they'll do that once again. Um, they always feel like you know it, it can you know handle its own on the track and even yeah. compete with some of the smaller sports cars. It definitely can. I actually I forgot last time I was with, at BMW, like at a test, was in the, the Spartanburg track, and I was in I forgot what it was. I think it might have even just been an M235 like Grand Coupe, which isn't a very fast car. But like up against the M5, because that's what the um the like the BMW driver who was like giving us the, the lead follow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the pace car. So I'm following him and just I mean, it's just so fast. I mean, there's there's I mean, 
M235 isn't a slow car, but I couldn't see which way he went. It, yeah. It's just crazy how fast that car is. So even on track, and, and that's a more technical track than where we usually go in the States. It's in uh, at BMW West, uh, Palm Springs track. Yeah. The, the, the one at Spartanburg is more technical. It's much tighter. And even the big, heavy M5 was able to you know, really outmaneuver smaller cars. It, it's a really good car. It's like it's no joke. Yep, I agree. So, so I, yeah. So I think like overall, you know, to conclude this, I think they've done a really good job with the M5 facelift. So they should have a winner on their hands. Oh, absolutely. But I think you know. I think it's worth talking about the. Um, there was a leak. Um, actually, the the car leaked sometimes on Friday or Saturday. Um, a lot of outlets were sent this, you know, video that showed the M5 CS. Um, we kind of sat on it for a little bit since I wasn't sure if it was filmed inside the BMW factory. So you never want to get people, you know, in trouble because right. they, you know, they had a moment uh, where they wanted <laughs> to be famous and, you know, they filmed that. So we kind of held off on it and then started to spread. So we published it. So, I mean, it's the M5 CS. I, I asked uh, BMW. So unofficially, I was told that, yes, you know, it's there is no... There is no special effects or anything that was faked in the video. So that's the M5 CS. It was filmed somewhere inside a BMW facility. I don't know if it was the factory or not. So I have no, I have no idea what happened with the people that filmed it, but uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully they got a pass. But uh, apparently it's coming this year. Um, I did not get an exact date, but it will, it will be shown sometimes this year. And then... Um, Horsepower, I think they're talking around 650. I think the European wow. model, and then I think the US one, maybe whatever, 640, 641. It's always a like a last uh, year. We had less so, over I mean, here. Still, yeah, and um, it's, still, it's a I lot mean, of power. Exactly, and they haven't really said much about the car, but I think we've learned something like in the past that you know it kind of follows the same recipe as all the other CS models, you know, the M3 and the M4. Uh, M2 now also, so you are gonna get something better than the M5 competition. So if I like that car, I mean, there's no doubt that I would love the M5 CS. I remember driving the M3 CS a couple of years ago in Germany on the track, and I even told the engineers that this is really the M3 they should have built from the get go. But you know, <laughs> they have to go through these stages where you know they uh, they start low and then they try to give you the ultimate car by right. the end of the cycle. So. So I think what we can expect the M from the M5 CS are uh, certainly, you know, revised suspension. Uh, same thing. They'll probably revise the um, ECU tune on the engine. I mean, they did for sure to get that much more power. Um, the LSD will definitely uh, go through some changes too. That's kind of what the uh, the CS models, you know, are all about. Just little touches here and there to just make it sharper, you know, sportier, you know, easier to handle maybe. But um, we might see also some updates on the outside. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more carbon fiber on the M5 CS, uh, likely a different type of front lip and also the uh, rear spoiler as well, probably more aggressive than on the M5 competition. And I don't know if they're going to do any changes to the um, carbon roof on the M5. I think they've done some changes on the M2 CS. Uh, we just published an article where they were talking about the uh, different type of construction on that roof and how much more uh, weight savings it can bring. So uh, maybe they will use the same tech on the uh, M5 CS. And we, we can paste the article uh, 
in the notes with the M2CS and people can read about the changes there. Yeah. But yeah. We'll, we'll be, have that linked. That'll be kind of cool. Yeah, that'll for sure. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the M5CS will be, uh, be the ultimate M5. I don't think they're going to do an M5CSL. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, just thinking back, was there ever another extreme M5, like an M5 CS type car? Like, was there ever anything like that for the E60 or E39 or, or F10? Or I'm trying to think back. Would this be the first, like, extreme M5? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there was any other. I mean, there was definitely no other M5 CS. Um, right. Yeah. So I think this will be the. This would be the first one, probably. Yeah, I mean, the F10 yeah. only had the the F10 had the M5 competition. Yeah, and, but um, that's sort I of remember the E60. Yeah, I don't uh, think any needs to have more. So, I mean, I just off the top of my yeah. head, but you know, yeah, I, I don't yeah, think, no, it's definitely. I think it's this might be point. the first like extreme M5 because there's always been you know extreme M3s uh, and stuff like that. Um, but I think this might be the first big like sedan that BMW does, like extreme one, like a track oriented sedan you know like big you know luxurious sedan um, yeah that's pretty interesting this that's strange i just i just realized that that this is like kind of the first that's pretty cool yeah so i mean it'll be um we'll be excited to drive the car for sure i mean I, i'm i'm 100 sure they will do some track time with the m5cs i mean that's the one that makes oh, sense yeah. to put it on the track even more to see what it can do and you know if this one starts the m5 competition at 110 uh, it's probably fair to say that you know that won't be around 120,000 at least for the M5CS. Uh, I think the car that leaked also had some sort of a frozen color. Couldn't tell yeah. if it was black or something like that or gray, but I'm sure they will have some like a special edition, you know. Yeah, like a first edition or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Possible, yeah. Yeah, they always possible. do something like that. Yeah. And and the frozen colors are always cool. They're a little bit more. They're a little more difficult to maintain if you as an owner, but they they always look so cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, they, I, I think we did an article on it where, um, it's really not that much more complicated to maintain. I think there were just a few basic rules that you need to follow. Um, I mean, just try to clean it. You know, uh, immediately if you uh, if you see any impurities on it. That's kind of that kind of sort of yeah, thing, it, but it's just more like uh, rigorous maintenance. You know, you're, you're constantly yeah. cleaning it to make sure that nothing um, like sits on, like no grime sits on yeah, it like, to ruin the like, paint. Like burns in, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, they're they're still cool. I mean, if you were to spend that much money for a car, oh, awesome. and have something special. I would I would definitely go with a frozen color, especially on the M5 ECS. I will go with something like old black, you know, like frozen yeah. black. I think it will be it will be fantastic. Some black wheels. Really good I think car. it also makes more sense on a car that you're not going to drive every day. Something that you might drive, you know, like a couple times a week. Because if you're driving it every day, you're going to be cleaning it constantly, you know. So yeah, if it's it's if it's like on a toy, you know, like a you know something you're going to drive on the weekends. It definitely makes yeah. I don't more see sense. many. I don't see many frozen colors actually uh, in Chicago. I don't recall the last time that I saw a BMW in a frozen color. I mean, mostly because it's always snowing here so <laughs> yeah i people mean people don't feel like getting that even though i i don't think snow will have any effect on the frozen probably not anyway. it's just you know just snow but uh you know yeah i'm not sure about salt though uh, might be, oh uh, yeah road salt is a problem for any paint it might be, yeah it might be a little bit different exactly. <laughs> yeah 
that's 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 bad and you know you're in chicago uh road yeah. salt is killer exactly it's yeah, killer. So that's kind of the m5 topic i don't have anything on it honestly that's pretty much um pretty yeah, much what we know i'm sure we'll we will learn more i mean I don't think BMW was too happy about the leak, <laughs> but uh, there have been so many lately that, yeah, I think it's just business as usual right now. I mean, yeah. people just seem to be licking things left I and know. right and videos and photos, something that didn't happen before. But yeah, last time I last time I was with uh, uh, Marcus Flash, the mm-hmm. MCEO, uh, I, I think I asked him like just kind of, you know, like just casually at dinner. It's like what's going on with all these leaks? It seems like every every M car is leaked like way ahead of time. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and it's sort of like, what am I gonna like? What are you gonna do? Like it just it just constantly happens. It's, it's yeah, I mean, crazy. it's honestly what's it's one of those things. It, um, it could be really good publicity. I mean, it's free marketing. You don't spend a dime on it. Right. And you're you're getting this wave of you know media articles, you know social media shares. So it's the spike. Uh, it kind of dies down a little bit after, but then when the car comes out, you're getting that new wave of you know content and social media postings and everything else. So it's really free marketing. So you're probably getting you know two for one basically. So if I was in marketing, I mean I, honestly, I would be licking some things myself, you know, just to <laughs> create some hype. Unfortunately, some of the leaked photos and videos are just terrible quality. I don't even know. I mean, honestly, I haven't seen a licked video or or photo that there was you know shot with like the latest iphone or android phone it's always <laughs> something like super low quality i know and i just never understand why i mean i and they're either like super weird angles and i mean if you were to like you know take a photo like at least take a really good one so i think that's probably <laughs> their biggest it's probably their biggest you know concern or maybe that's the one thing that really pisses them off uh is that you know when something leaks it's not something that's like a really good quality so you can't really make right. much of the car so, and, and it always so. gives shows the car like the worst light possible so it never yeah. looks good because it's like you know in the worst angle worst lighting it just looks horrible and and you're right like this is 2020 um why do people still have like phones that take terrible pictures like doesn't everyone have even like a five-year-old iphone will take a really nice photo like yeah uh, I know. these people using flip phones like what's going on just a strange one i mean yeah but uh it's a fun game i think we started to call it the bmw leak week yeah it feels like every week there is something new and i think every new car has been leaked in different forms but um it's all fun game and gives people something to talk about yeah it's fun, and it, and like you said, it does kind of ramp up excitement for certain cars. Yeah, um, you know that that car yeah, will have you know, at least with, a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, if you look at there, not that many auto shows left. I mean, there are definitely none this year, probably. So you know, everything moves on the uh, on the internet through the online medium and social media. So it's where you're going to find people that you know can have an opinion and they will express their opinion. So this type of, you know, leaks or accidental leaks or intentional leaks just allows them to express an opinion. I think probably helps BMW too to kind of, you know, gather some information on, you know, how customers perceive the car. So like in the end, I think it's a win-win for everyone. So yeah, that makes sense. Business as usual. Might not be their favorite thing, but it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah, 
I think it's not totally their favor because they have a communication plan they usually have to follow. So they have this, you know, set dates where, like, like for example, the M3, the new M3 and M4 have been leaked so many times, yet, you know, they haven't moved the uh, start of communication date from, like, September. And I think they rarely <laughs> do, basically. They just stick to a plan and because that's kind of fits into their, you know, marketing activities and, you know, market launch and availability. So they always try to... Uh, to put all these pieces together and not, you know, jump ahead. I mean, they could have literally just released the M3 and M4 right now, but um, they're just not going to do it. So yeah, and it's funny because by the time it actually comes out, people are going to be like, "Yeah, but well, we know, like we saw it already." <laughs> there have been so uh, many leaks. You know, you you'd be surprised. There's still people in denial. I still see comments on our Instagram page where basically uh, people still don't want to believe that the M3 or the M4 will have the large grill and really uh, <laughs> yeah there's there's still it's people so that are funny. in denial they I mean especially a few months ago there were people saying that no you know BMW it's really just you know using the uh, test mules to kind of you know trick us they really they're not gonna have those large grills but they just want to play this game and I was thinking I'm like why would they do that you yeah know I mean? they're, <laughs> yes, they're out there to test the car the way that it looks so you're getting a hundred percent you know valid test not not just throwing some decoy models out there to throw us off they right. really don't care like in the end you know what <laughs> what we think what the test means they just want to test them so yeah and bmw spent millions of dollars creating the concept for to de debut that at geneva or wherever that was spent millions of dollars to do that just to throw you off the scent you know yeah like, exactly <laughs> So yeah, that's so funny. that's always fun to see. But yeah, all right. So uh, what was the what was the next topic? Um, I kind of wanted to touch on the. Uh, it just kind of happened yesterday, but the two series active tour or grand tour or whatever yeah. it's called mm -hmm. got leaked a little bit. Um, some spy photos came out of its interior, and it was very interesting. It, it was a really really big departure from what BMW's normal interiors have been for the past. I don't know over a decade at least right so its new iDrive screen is not only uh, much bigger and kind of like built into the digital uh, gauges kind of like how mercedes does it where it's like two screens built into one mm -hmm. but it would seem to be entirely touchscreen with no rotary dial uh, at all mm -hmm. which if i'm not mistaken is the first new bmw to come out since the e65 series without a rotary dial of some sort yeah. So, so it was a really phone, interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting to see. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, you're the BMW scoop guy. You know of any? I, mean, uh, I don't have. I really don't have any any inside info into this. But then again, I can speculate a little bit based on my knowledge. Again, I think there are two different things here. It's either a very early prototype, which I'm not sure if it is. I mean, I remember seeing the spy photos, but I can't really tell how early. In the development stage, they are. I think the active tour is probably due to come soon, right? I think probably next year. I think so, yeah. So maybe maybe it's getting close to the to the final evaluation phase, which you know the cars have the the actual you know interior and everything else. But sometimes when it's early into the development and the testing stage, they use different bin parts from other cars. They really just put them inside a car. So you've seen like in the past, you know, all these weird and strange interiors, you know, with, you know, uh, a stick shift from another car or, 
you know, the dashboard from something else just for testing purposes. Probably they're only testing the drive chain at that point and something else. But um, so it's either that or maybe they just haven't really put in the the final design and that's going to be the same as before, maybe with the uh, iDrive uh, knob and everything else. Or they're moving towards, uh, you know, full, full digital touch screens uh, and... I think one day those are coming because you look at the i4 and you can see the large, basically kind of like one piece screen in, in the front and that's going to have all the information. It's going to be touch screen and there's going to be like additional gestures and everything else. So I do see one day where the, uh, you know, kind of the analog, even though it's not really analog, but the iDrive knob will probably be going away. Maybe, you know, voice recognition is getting so good that, one day you might not need the actual, you know, dial. You can just issue all the commands you want. And I think we're going to see more on that. Um, I think next week or two weeks from now, they're going to showcase some new updates to their R drive system and to the, you know, Hey Siri and, and not Siri, Hey uh, BMW. Or hey BMW, yeah. Yeah. So basically you're going to see in, maybe in a couple of weeks, some updates to the intelligent personal assistant and, the voice recognition, and I think one of the features that you will likely see is something like, you know, hey, BMW, can you open the window or can you close the window? So there will be additional, you know, voice functions that the system can understand and perform. And eventually, probably the voice recognition uh, and voice commands will be the default way to operate and control your car. So on top of that, you also have the touch screens. You also have, you know, the gesture control. They've also shown in the iNext or iX the ability to uh, execute commands by literally just, you know, touching the the fabric, like the seat fabric, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, draw something on it, which will activate a function, or you can, you know, pinch or zoom in and out, or you can turn up the volume. So eventually I do see, you know, a future where there won't be that many, you know, physical buttons or, you know, or or dials inside a car. And would it happen with the uh, Active Tour? I'm not sure. I mean, ideally you would see this in the, you know, like a car like the i4 and 9X, and we might see that car actually before the Active Tour. But because the, the production cycles, they overlap, they can always you know, wait till the next generation seven series or something comes out to put all the tech in that car. But it's right. an interesting leak. I mean, it's an interesting leak. Um, I, I, I do like the iDrive. I'm, I'm honest that I, when I drive a new, a new BMW, I still use the iDrive the most. I would say probably 90% of the time I use that. I use the voice control just a little bit and I almost never use the touch screen. I just, I feel like it's a little bit uncomfortable to kind of reach to the screen and you know press on it. It's a little bit distracting. So yeah. I do like the uh, the iDrive, and I think if you're a BMW customer and you've got used to the iDrive, I mean if, the iDrive has come a long way. I mean, oh, 30, yeah, you sure. know, twenty years ago probably, and uh, it wasn't that great in the beginning, but now it's very intuitive, and especially if you've driven BMWs for the last few years. Uh, you will be so accustomed to the way that it works and it's just second nature and you will always want to reach for that. So, but uh, everything is moving towards digital. So 
Yeah. And it's interesting to me because I've actually kind of almost flip-flopped. I was, I'm always Mr. Like I want all real buttons and I don't like touch stuff. And I'm Mr. You know, grumpy old man when it comes to my car stuff. But I've also noticed that because I, I don't only test BMWs. I've tested a lot of, um, a lot of other modern luxury cars and most of them are touchscreen. And, uh, so now when I'm in modern BMWs, I actually find myself using the touchscreen more than the dial, which is odd for me. And it's even if it is a little far and uncomfortable in a BMW because the screen's a little bit far away. Um, but I also use Apple CarPlay a lot. And for me, mm-hmm. um, the rotary dial is a little weird with Apple CarPlay. I don't really like it. It just kind of scrolls through too many different things and it takes too long mm-hmm. to get to where I want to go. So it's just so much faster for me to just touch. So I'm I'm looking at this two series active tour and I'm thinking that actually might be a good idea. And if you look at it, like, cause my first thought was your first thought um, that maybe it's just a test mule without everything, you know, all of the, the proper parts in. But then mm-hmm. I noticed that like the volume controls were down on the center console next to the shift lever, which was a little toggle now. Um, mm-hmm. So they got rid of a radio too. There's no traditional radio. Um, it's all done through the screen. And then if you look at the actual iDrive screen in those photos, you see really big, chunky, it looks like normal iDrive, but the tiles are much bigger. So it seems like it's been made to, to use, you know, touchscreen only much easier. And then there were like climate, it's like a climate control bar at the bottom of the screen. So it seemed like every control was operated through that new screen, which is a huge departure from what BMW does now. And I also had a similar thought as you. I was like, why would they do this in the two series active tour first. Like that seems a little odd to start there. Um, but like you said, maybe they're just kind of testing it, uh, you know, on something before they implement it on the next, you know, whatever it is, seven series or something. I mean, you could tell actually in those spy photos, if you look um, that the center, the center console, it really has parts from different cars it's not it's not finished you know it's not the final design oh it isn't for sure yeah yeah, so maybe that's so maybe it's still not the final one but i mean the interesting part is definitely the extremely large you know lcd screen that sits on top of the dashboard and it's likely that that's gonna happen you know but will they include the iDrive in this one remains to be seen i mean i think people even if they don't include it i mean people will complain about it but eventually um I think everyone will get used to it because you can really, you know, start using the cars function via voice. Uh, I don't see the point of using the uh, the iDrive anymore. Right. And then there's also so many like steering wheel controls. Like there are so many redundant mm-hmm. controls that you don't really need the iDriver dial anymore, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the voice activated controls are definitely... Uh, far easier to do than like gesture control i mean some of the gestures yeah. that you could do in the car are kind of are a little bit comical right i mean they're yeah and they never they don't work every time you know it's exactly so kind of finicky so I'm, I'm pretty sure they're they're gonna bank you know they're gonna bet a lot on the you know intelligent personal assistant and i'm sure we'll learn more about that soon then we can gonna get an idea where they're heading but yeah Eventually, that might be the new way of things. Yeah, and it seems like, um, not that BMW is copying Mercedes, but Mercedes is really banking on voice control as well. Like Mm -hmm. you can control, you know, everything about the car through their new voice system. And I think that's going to be the way of the future because it's just so much safer. You're not 
doing, you're not looking at any other screen. You're not moving your hands mm-hmm. from the steering wheel. It's just so much easier. Um, yeah. As long as it works well, you know, as long as the voice assistant doesn't mishear you every exactly. time. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting, you know, to just kind of, you know, finish this topic, uh, maybe about, I would say six, seven years ago, I had a conversation with one of the top designers at BMW. And at that time I was asking about, you know, Hey, are you guys thinking about having like a, a screen, like tablet, like, you know, and you can do everything to the touch screen and the tablet. And at that time I was still absolutely not, it's really not, you know, the safest way to operate a car, you know, <laughs> it's, we still prefer to use the controls and uh, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, you've been, you know, fast forward a few years and, you know, Tesla probably it's the one that, that came up with a very large uh, LCD screen inside of cars. People made fun of right. it. I mean, a lot of people made made fun of that, but it turns out that everybody else is doing it right now. So I think Tesla did a good job with that. They changed the trend and I don't know if they changed it, if they changed, you know, the trend or they create like a new trend because you know, people were used to large screens from, you know, tablets, either from, you know, Apple right. or and or Android based. And that was just kind of the way that people would think, right? You get into the yeah. car, you see like a large screen, you try to operate it that way. So you're just trying to, as a car company, you just have to adapt to the new customer base. You have to adapt to the new, into the new tech. So even though you might not want to, I mean, those large screens are there to stay. And especially when you move now towards, uh, you know, self-driving cars. I mean, now you're talking about having the ability to, you know, drive the car only when you want to. So you can just, you know, you know, sit back and just relax and li- literally just, you know, watch something on that screen. Or yeah. if you're a passenger, you could do the same. So I think in the future, those large screens will be all over cars, especially if you're talking about like a, you know, minivan or something like that. I mean, there'll be a lot of screens probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, they're only going to get bigger and uh, more, uh, more prominent throughout car interiors as we keep going forward. And I think it, it looks good in the new Mercedes. I think, you know, it looks really nice. I also like the, the screens in the new i4 concept. So yeah. Um, just gives the car a different, a different kind of look inside. So Maybe it's worth exploring that. Yeah, for sure. Well, so that's kind of what I had for this week. I don't know if you have anything more. I mean, or no, that's. I mean, that's pretty much all the new few topics. I mean, there will be some new things coming up. Um, I think we'll get some more news on electrification soon. Like I said, also we're gonna get some news on the uh, uh, all this new connected tech and. You know, tech inside yeah. the car. So we're gonna learn more about that. As far as car launches, there will be, I mean, kind of like a preview. There, there is an embargo on the M3 and M4 uh, prototype drives on July 1st. So there will be some, that's you know, uh, press reports out there. So that's something to report on the M2CS and M2CS racing. Um, were also tested so there will be something on that too where we try to have our own review out as well and um you know, as we move into the summer it's gonna be a little bit quiet but i think once september hits there will be um a lot of new products a lot of new events from from bmw hopefully if the situation is stable and yeah hopefully things get better of, yeah be a lot of cool things to report basically especially in the last quarter of the year but um right 
We also, I mean, I have this year. a bunch of test drives that I'm going to like a bunch of reviews that are coming. So that should fill the gap for the summer because I have quite, quite. A yeah. And, and, and with this, I mean, we should also tell people that, you know, we, we do a lot of videos on our YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and just search for PMW blog, you can, uh, you can, and you should subscribe to our channel. Um, we've been putting yes, out videos please. every single week. Some of the videos are, are really cool and informative. We'll, we'll have some really cool test drives as well from Nico. So I definitely uh, encourage everyone to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's it's high quality, and we try to do more and more of that as yes. well. And just to, like, I have M8 Grand Coupe review uh, about to, you know, hit the YouTube channel soon. Then there's going to be a Toyota Super one to come after that. And there's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, written reviews and all that nice. stuff. So, you know, and there's there's more lined up, more exciting stuff. So, yeah, please check out our YouTube channel. Please subscribe because uh, we're going to have some good stuff coming. Yep, exactly. All right, man. Cool. Well, all I right. know you're a very busy, very busy man. So I will let you get back to what you have to do. And uh, thank you for uh, spending some time and talking with me today. Thanks, Nico. I appreciate it, too. Stay safe. Thanks, man. You, too. All right. Bye. All right.